Welcome to the Faith for My Generation podcast, where our vision is to shake and shape a generation with the power of God's Word. We're on one mission, to raise up a generation of powerful believers through the relevant teaching of God's Word. I'm so thankful that you're here today. I'm your host, AJ. Let's get into the episode. Good morning. This is your wake-up call. Wake-up call 048. Go and possess the land. Wake up call 048. Go and possess the land. Hey, I'm thankful for that you're joining me here on the Faith for My Generation podcast. If you're new to this podcast, I am your host, AJ, and we're going to go to the book of Joshua today, Joshua chapter 18. We're going to read a verse there in Joshua chapter 18 to base today's wake up call. And we're going to look at a couple different points about going and possessing the land. I just finished up the book of Joshua in my personal Bible reading. And the book of Joshua, of course, has, you know, some, uh, I would say probably the most popular uh, account in the book of Joshua, of course, is the city of Jericho and its huge walls falling down and the peculiar way that these walls around this fortified city fail by the power of God. We're going to look at that in just a minute or two. But essentially, the book of Joshua is about inheritance. The entire book of Joshua is about inheritance. It is about the children of Israel inheriting the promised land, which has been promised to them. You see it in the book of Deuteronomy. In fact, I don't have this written down, but I believe it's Deuteronomy chapter 7. Yeah, listen to this. Deuteronomy chapter 7, verse 1. This is what Moses says to the people of Israel uh, when they're about to enter into the promised land. Of course, at this point in the book of Deuteronomy, they've already had an opportunity to go in the promised land. We're going to look at that as well in just a minute or two. But unfortunately, through unbelief and fear and doubting God, they didn't enter into their promised land. So they take the longest road trip in the wilderness ever, 40 years of circling around and around, and not too large of an area of the earth in the Middle Eastern desert out there in that wilderness area, not necessarily all desert, but that wilderness area between uh, Northern Africa and what we call Israel, that area out there, Moab and Ammon. In In Bible days, it was referred to that today are different than today. <clears throat> it's very, very sad, but here they come 40 years later. And again, as I mentioned, we'll look at it in just a minute. But in Deuteronomy chapter 7, verse 1, it says this, When the Lord your God brings you into the land which you go to possess and is cast out many nations before you, and then it lists these nations. Verse 2, And when the Lord your God delivers them over to you, you shall conquer them and utterly destroy them. You shall make no covenant with them or show no mercy, and continues to talk about the separation that they will have as a holy people called to God concerning marriage and concerning worship and concerning the rearing and raising of their children, that you you will not intermarry with these other cultures, not because it has nothing to do with their race, but rather their faith. Do not marry as the New Testament would tell us unbelievers, don't let your children be raised up around this unbelieving society and don't worship the way they have worshiped because the reason they're losing the land that you're about to inherit is because of their sins in these areas. But again and again in the book of Deuteronomy, 
we see over and over again, you shall go and possess the land. I believe it says it again in, in Deuteronomy chapter 11. Um, it says it over and over again that they will possess the land, Deuteronomy chapter 13. Throughout the book of Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy chapter 8, there's the blessing and curse in Deuteronomy chapter 28. Over and over again, we see that God tells them that they will possess the land, this land that I'm giving you to go and possess, this land that I'm going to give you, give over to you, this land that I'm going to make available to you, this land that I have giving, given you, Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 1. Now this is the commandment, and these are the statutes and judgments which the Lord your God has commanded to teach you, that you may observe them in the land which you are crossing over to possess. I mean, it's just all through the book of Deuteronomy. It, sh it is showing them and giving them instruction. When you go into the land, remember that when you go into this land, I have a covenant with you. I've established a covenant with you. It's built upon my commandments. Do what I've commanded you to do. Go into this land. Possess it. It's yours. I've given it to you. It is yours. Look at this. Deuteronomy chapter 11, verse 8. Therefore, you shall keep every commandment which I command you today, that you may be strong and go in and possess the land which you cross over to possess. I mean, it's just all through the book of Deuteronomy. This idea that the Lord is instilling again and again, Deuteronomy eleven thirty one, for you will cross over the Jordan and go in to possess the land which the Lord your God is giving you, and you will possess it and dwell in it. All through the book of Deuteronomy, we see that same theme over and over again. So then we get to the book of Joshua. The book of Joshua is about inheritance. It is about a nation inheriting their promised land. We get to do a Joshua chapter 18. Joshua 18, Joshua is older in age. He's an old man at this point. Of course, Joshua and Caleb, they were the only two original members of that original generation that came up out of Egypt. We'll talk about that in just a minute while they were the only two. You may, you may have already read this portion of your Bible, so you may already have a head start here. But we'll look at that, why that was the case. But here he is. He's an old man, yet still faithful to God. And we come to Joshua 18, verse 3. Then Joshua said to the children of Israel, How long will you neglect to go and possess the land which the Lord God of our fathers has given you. The verse right before it, verse 2, it says this, But there remained among the children of Israel seven tribes which had not yet received their inheritance. It's interesting. It's a little... It can throw you off guard if you don't, you know, uh, I guess, uh, keep an eye out for it. But, of course, we know Israel has 12 tribes. Um, but what's interesting is Levi... Concerning possession of the promised land, the tribe of Levi does not get any dirt, any, any area for themselves. They have a certain amount of cities amongst each tribe where Levites would live so that they could teach the people the law of God and, and participate in uh, synagogue and teaching and, and then eventually also temple worship and sacrificing of animals and things like that. But the Levites, they did not receive any actual stake or claim to the dirt that we call the promised land. And they were taken out, so 12 minus 1 leaves 11, right? Uh, but you have the tribe of Joseph, which is split into two, Manasseh and Ephraim. So you have 11 tribes, 
but one of those you split in half and that brings you back to 12. A little play, a little play on numbers there, but it's interesting you see that take place. So there are seven tribes out of 12 that are to receive an inheritance of land that have yet to take their inheritance. Let me say that again. There's 12 tribes of Israel that receive an inheritance of land. God has given them an inheritance of land. Seven of them have yet to go and possess what is rightfully theirs. And here's my question for you, and here's my question for me today. Is there a part of the promise of God, or are there parts of promises of God, or are there promises of God that we clearly see stated in Scripture that we have yet to go in and possess? In fact, depending on the translation you read, verse 3 of Joshua 18, it says this, Joshua said to the children of Israel, how long will you neglect to go and possess the land which the Lord God of your fathers has given you? The King James says, how long will you be slack? Some translations say, how long are you going to sit around and be lazy? How long are you going to wait before you go and take what is rightfully yours? And that's our question for us today. That's my question for myself. That's my question for you. I lovingly ask you this, and let the Holy Spirit search your heart. What has God promised you? What has God put on your heart? What has God commissioned you to do? What dreams, what calls, what great endeavors of faith has God put into your heart? It burns with fire in your belly, in the spirit of who you are, that you have not yet taken action on. Is there a promised land that God says, it's yours, go get it, and either, you, and, you know, we're being slack about it. We're, ne- we're neglecting to possess it. Let me kind of open this up for you. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3. Man, this is one verse in the book of Ephesians. I've been studying the book of Ephesians for the past four months, writing out a study guide. We'll have that available for the podcast listeners probably here in the next month or two. I'm, I'm about halfway through, but I have a chunk of time coming up in this Christmas season at the time of this recording. We're about four weeks out from Christmas, so I'm going to have a chunk of time to sit down and just really kind of plow through a lot of that. But I've been in the book of Ephesians for the past four or five months. One of the greatest passages that I see in the book of Ephesians is Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3. Let me read it for you. It says this, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. Everything that God is going to bless you with, spiritually, He already has. I know that almost sounds like a conundrum, like a... (laughs) It's like, huh? 
Really? How so? If that be the case, then why do I not yet have it? Well, look at this, Romans chapter 8, verse 31. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? Verse 32. He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Let me read that again. Romans 8, 31 and 32. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all. How shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Freely give us all things, blessed with every spiritual blessing. Ephesians chapter 3, blessed with every spiritual blessing. How shall he not with him give us all things? Freely give us all things. There are so many promises of Almighty God that are written down for our benefit, for our understanding, and for our possession in the Word of God. I am a firm believer that God has not changed. What He has done for one, He will do for another. What He has done in days gone by, He will do again. If we will simply go in and take possession of it. Now understand this. It's not like I'm saying you or I have to go make God do something. I mean, come on. Seriously? I can't make the almighty creator of heaven and earth do something. <laughs> and I don't need to make him do something. Why don't I need to make him do something? Well, rest assured, our heavenly father, our great God in heaven, he is kind and merciful. James 1.17, every good gift, every perfect gift is from above, comes down from the Father of lights with whom there is no variation nor shadow of turning. Why would I need to make God do something? Every good gift, every perfect gift comes from Him. He is the author of them all. So why, I don't have to, I'm not trying to, as some old timers may have said, and they probably had a very pure heart and quite frankly probably spent more time in prayer and study than me. But, you know, you might, I, I've heard in days gone by of old-timer timers say things like, we're going to storm the gates of heaven. I don't need to storm the gates of heaven, though. I need to storm the gates of hell. For the believer, there is no gate around heaven. For the believer, we are seated in heavenly places with Christ Jesus. And that is where we have been blessed with every spiritual blessing. We have received Jesus, and God is for us. Then who can be against us? And He has given His Son. Therefore, what would, would He what would He withhold from this point? If He has already given us His highest, most costly, most wonderful gift, then what would He withhold from us now? Not a thing. And when He gives, what He gives is good. What He gives is perfect. What He gives is holy. What He gives is righteous. We have a land of promises. We have a promised land. And what we need to do is make sure that we have not neglected, that we have not become slack or lazy in the things of God. I want to stir up our spirits during this wake-up call today. I don't want to grow slack. I don't want to neglect not possessing 
the promised land. Because again, it's not me trying to get something from God or, or make God do something. It's This is the scenario that the Israelites found themselves in and that you and I found themselves in. God says to the Israelites, this is your land. It's yours. Go get it. And as you go, I will remove those enemies out of the way. I will empower you to subdue and conquer them and destroy all the sinfulness that had transpired and and demonically inspired in those nations. I will give you the power. Even one of the verses even talks about how I'll send hornets before you. I mean, think about it. It's like, you know, even in today's day and age, it's amazing. Here we are, modern warfare technology. It's almost sci-fi to the point of some of this technology that, you know, for instance, the United States military has. You know, we just, side note, Spotify just released their 2022 wrapped and uh, it was so amazing. I'm so thankful for everyone that listens to this podcast because apparently we have listeners from 11 different nations. And our top five is the U.S., United Kingdom, Canada, Malaysia, and Nigeria. So shout out to the top five. If you're not in one of those nations and you do listen, well, you're going to have to up your listening so you can break through the top five for next year. Come on now. I'm rooting for you. <laughs> but but as I've mentioned before, and you're probably well acquainted, I'm here in the United States of America, and our military has some of the most incredible technology. But you know what? Even with the greatest advances in modern warfare, do you know that still the elements is probably the most difficult thing to overcome for soldiers when they're out in the battlefield? They have to take so much precaution and have so much additional supplies and aid depending on where they're stationed. I'm talking about wind, rain, sun, temperature. I'm talking about hot, cold, wet, dry. Weather. The same weather you and I all experience. For a soldier stationed somewhere in a foreign land doing combat or a mission and task, maybe even a humanitarian task somewhere. Weather. And then also disease, pestilence, sickness, illness that they, that they are not acclimated or exposed to, you know, have no immunity to. Neither one of those things, and you can look in, in, in military history, oftentimes more people died from you know, malaria and hardship of the weather than they actually did of combat. Can you imagine the fact that when the Israelites went into the Canaan promised land, the land of the land of Canaan, and all around the Hittites and Jebusites and Amorites, all these people that they went and warred against that were enemies of God because they have committed themselves to false gods and idolatrous wicked practices. And then God sends forth hornets in front of them. I mean, it's like a supernatural modern warfare. Because even today, the elements are things they have soldiers have to combat with, even insects and things. Yet God said, I'll, I will enlist. I'm going to draft the hornets of the land and draft them into my army and send them forth. It's amazing. Because here's the thing. When you'll just go when God says go, When you'll do what God says do, you will get supernatural help and aid. Because the reality is we have a promised land. God has promised us 
every spiritual blessing. He has not withhold and will not withhold anything from us that is good and perfect. He has given to us Jesus, and in Jesus, He has given us all things freely. Now, here's the thing. How do we get it? How do we enter into this promised land? How do we possess what God says is ours? And here it is, five letters, one word, but it will change your life. It's called faith. Faith. You enter into the promised land that God has given you by faith. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 1, Therefore, since a promise remains of entering His rest, let us fear, lest any of you seem to have come short of it. Verse 2, referring to the Israelites, For indeed the gospel was preached to us as well to them. But the word which they heard did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in those who heard it. See, it's one thing to hear the Word of God, but if you want to enter into the rest of the promises of God, you must hear the Word of God and mix it with faith, mix it with trust in God, mix it with the reality of God has said it, I believe it, that settles it. That's how we possess the land. That's how we enter in. That's how we receive the things of God, by faith. Verse 2, for indeed the gospel was preached to us as well to them. But the word, the Israelites had a word. The word which they heard did not profit them. It did not bring about what it can bring about or what it could have brought about or what it does bring about in our lives because we are the faithful. <laughs> when we hear the word of God, we're going to mix it with faith. But for these Israelites... It didn't bring them about what it promised because they did not mix God's word with faith. They didn't take action on it. James chapter 1 tells us that faith without works is dead. Or James chapter 2, verse 14 and 17. Faith without, faith without a corresponding action is dead faith. And just like a dead apple tree will not produce living apples, dead faith will not take and possess the promises in the promised land of God. You have to mix what you hear with faith. In fact, I, I'm going to jump around in here a little bit, but you don't know that because you didn't get an outline of the notes, so you don't know that I'm jumping around. <laughs> but for whatever reason, I, I don't know, I always think, oh, let me tell the, tell, tell the folks listening what I'm doing. <laughs> Numbers 13, verse 30. This is after, I, I encourage you to go read it if you haven't read it in a long time or if you've never read it, Numbers chapter 13 and 14 or when the children of Israel have the opportunity to go into the promised land. They've come out of Egypt at this point roughly a couple weeks, maybe up to two months. They've been freed from slavery out of Egypt. But at the most of what I've seen in commentary notes, no, no more than two months, roughly. I mean, we're talking about eight, nine weeks at the most. And here they are. They are at the boundary markers. They are, they are about to cross the state line, the county line, and enter into the promised land. So Moses sends out 12 spies. The 12 spies come back. In fact, they come back bringing back grapes so large, one bunch or bundle of grapes, they had to use a pole and let Two guys carry it, one on each end, carrying these grapes back. They bring back the fruit of the land. It truly is wonderful. 
They all, all 12, say, The land we went into, where you sent us, it flows with milk and honey, and this is its fruit. That's verse 27, verse 28 of Numbers 13. Nevertheless, the people who dwell in the land, they're strong. Cities are fortified, very large. And we saw the descendants of Anak there, a giant race. Verse 29, the Amalekites dwell in the south. Hittites, Jebusites, Amorites dwell in the mountains. Canaanites by the sea and along the banks of the Jordan. Man, this land is full of enemies. Verse 30, then Caleb quieted the people before Moses and said, Let us go up at once and take possession, for we are well able to overcome it. Caleb brought back a report of faith, which was, The land is as God said it. It's full of milk and honey, and it's full of enemies and giants. But we're well able to go and take it. Verse 31, but the men who had gone up with him, Joshua and Caleb, were the only two men, as I mentioned before, that were from the original generation because the other ten spies, they say, we are not able to go up against the people for they're stronger than we are. And they gave the children, these ten spies, a wicked, evil bad report of the land which they spied out, saying, The land through which we have gone as spies is a land that devours its inhabitants. And all the people whom we saw in it are men of great stature. There we saw the giants. The descendants of Anak came from the giants, and we were like grasshoppers. Notice this, in our own sight. And so we were in their sight. These ten spies, rather than having faith and mixing the word that they received from God, which is, this land, I'm giving it to you. When you enter into it, I will pull down the defenses of all these wicked nations, and I will give you the power and ability to take the land. They didn't believe it. Rather, they chose to believe what their eyes saw. Their ears could hear, and what their feelings and their thoughts witnessed to them. Verse 33 And we were like grasshoppers in our own sight. Let me tell you something. As long as you come, when you place your trust in what you see, in what you hear, in what you think, in what you feel, you will always fall prey to fear, doubt, and unbelief. If what you trust is what you can see, hear, what you feel, what you, what you think, you will always fall prey to fear, doubt, and unbelief. But when you put your trust in what God has said, even when what God has said is contrary to what you see, hear, think, or feel, You will always, always be filled with faith and you'll overcome. You'll be well able to overcome the giants in the land. You'll be well able to take possession of your promised land. Because a hindrance to us possessing what God has given us is that we we have unbelief in our heart. Look, there are things when God calls you to do them, you may have natural Even logical questions, how, what should I do, 
How should I start? You know, this, these are real questions. Mary, and is it Matthew 2, Luke 2, has this question. The angel comes to Mary and says, you're going to have a child, and you will call his name Jesus. Mary asked the question, how? Because I'm a virgin. I'm not married. How can I have a son? She asked a legitimate question. Because she's, you know, hey, the way you have children is you get married and have children, and that's not me. I'm, in, I'm engaged, but that's not me yet. That was a legitimate question. It was not a, well, how can that happen? Unlike her cousin's husband, Elizabeth, was it Zachariah and Elizabeth, that had John the Baptist? Unlike them, when the angel comes to him, a priest in the temple of God doing his service to the Lord. And the angel said, you're going to have a son. And he says, how is that possible? I'm real old and so is my wife. Yet Abraham and Sarah had children. Isaac and Rebekah had children. And so many other uh, testimonies we see throughout the Bible of, of men and women who were struggling, yet they believed God and they had children. Whether it was old age or barrenness, they had children. So it wasn't like him when he asked that question because he asked it in doubt because in his situation, he had the ability to act on what God had said. Mary didn't. She is a virgin. She can't have a son. She has nowhere to get seed. And that's why the angel doesn't rebuke her like her cousin-in-law. He couldn't speak until John, John was born. Rather, he answers Mary's question and says, the power of God's going to do this in your life. So there are some legitimate questions we can ask. I'm not saying you rule out all questions. What I'm saying is, if God has commanded you to do something, if God has told you to do something, if God has called you to do something, whether it's a momentary thing like a one-off thing or the course of your life, you commit yourself to it. And then you ask God, okay, Lord, how should I do it? When should I start? What should I do? Where should I do it? Those are fine questions to ask, but we never hinder the things of God in our life, and we never keep ourselves from possessing the land through unbelief. Here's the thing. Sin also hinders us from possessing what God has made available to us. Judges chapter 7, excuse me, Judges, not Judges, Joshua chapter 7 It's after the battle of Jericho, which we're going to look at last. There's this defeat. They have a victory in Jericho. Here's the thing about Jericho. When they win this battle in Jericho, Jericho is like a huge metropolitan city. The walls around Jericho are so large that they could have chariot races around the wall, on top of the walls of Jericho. When we say wall, it's not like a fence. I mean, it's like a almost a city within a city, like the nicest houses and the choicest houses lived up against the wall, and sometimes they would even build structures into the walls. But in Jericho, these walls were so large, five, six chariots wide racing around these chariots, a massive, massive city. So when Jericho falls, all the other cities around it are like, okay, these Israelite guys, they mean business. This is, we're in some serious trouble because Jericho just fell. So then they come up to Ai, and Joshua himself said, look, it's a small city. Don't burden the entire army going out against this little city. You know, just send out a couple thousand men. 
So they do. They obey Joshua, and they're defeated. 36 men, 36 Israelites are killed, which at this point, no one has ever died in battle. And they're killed. And why is it? Well, verse 10, Joshua says, uh, so the, or excuse me, Joshua begins to fall down before the Lord. He tears his clothes, verse 6, falls to the earth. He says to God in verse 7, Alas, Lord God, you've brought these people over the Jordan at all, at all to deliver us into the hand of the Amorites to destroy us. Oh, that we had been content and dwelt on the other side of Jordan. Joshua is beginning to sound like those worthless ten spies 40 years ago. Because he suffered defeat. Because Joshua's thinking, all right, I did everything the Lord told me to do. Why was I defeated? In fact, after this great battle, at, at this great victory at Jericho, why now? And then verse 10, so the Lord said to Joshua, get up. You know, sometimes we fall down on the ground and, you know, sometimes we really do hurt. But then there's sometimes where we're having a pity party and we're whining and griping and complaining. And the best thing the Lord can say to us or a brother and sister in Christ can say to us is, get up. <laughs> hey, that'd be a good wake-up call. Wake-up call, one zero 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 zero. Get up. <laughs> so the Lord said to Joshua, get up. Why do you lie on your face? Israel has sinned. They have also transgressed my covenant, which I commanded them. For they even have taken some of the accursed things and have both stolen and deceived, and they have also put it among their own stuff. You keep reading the story. And Achan, this man, he had stole, oh, golly, it wasn't even that much when it's all said and done. I don't know, ten, fifteen thousand $15,000 worth of gold and silver and a robe, some nice clothes and a, a little bit of gold and silver. Hides them under his tent, but it cost him and his whole family their lives, because they sinned against God. Because in the fall of Jericho, the first city, a tithe, if you will, was to be given to God. And thereafter, the resources that they would win through battle oftentimes would go to the Israelites, but the first one was God's. Yet sin stopped them from moving along into their possession. And until they got sin out of the camp... They were not able to continue on in what God had given them. Let me be real serious, real plain with you. Don't have a light regard for sin. Hate what God hates. Love what God loves. And stay pure. Stay holy. Now, if you sin, own up to it and repent. Don't play around with it. Don't become comfortable with it like this generation has. Because it will rob you, not only of what God has promised you, but life eternal. Now, last thing I want you to see is this. We enter into the promises of God by obedience. We talked about it by faith. And what is faith other than obedience? Now, finishing with what may be the most popular passage of Scripture in Joshua. Joshua chapter 6. Jericho securely shut up. They hear Israel's coming. They're kind of afraid. They don't let anyone in or anyone out. Verse 2, the Lord said to Joshua, listen to this. Listen to the language of God. Don't miss this. This whole wake-up call is based on this, this language that God's using to us. Got your ears on? Joshua 6, verse 2. The Lord said to Joshua, See, 
I have given Jericho into your hand. It's king and the mighty men of valor. I have given Jericho to you. I have given Jericho to you. What's so interesting about this is can, in, the, in the mind of God, in the heart of God, what God has done, it's done. It's settled. It's finished. On God's behalf, on God's side, He said, I've done what I'm going to do. I have given you Jericho. I say Jericho is yours, Joshua. Now, will you choose to believe and act on what I've said to you? This is why when we get to Joshua 18, verse 3, Joshua says, where we started, we'll finish to the children of Israel. How long will you neglect to go and possess the land which the Lord God of your fathers has given you? Jericho, I've given it to you, Joshua. You know the story. Go walk around it quietly. Don't anyone say anything for six days. Walk around the city once. Seventh day, walk around it seven times. And seven priests with seven trumpets on the seventh trip will blow a mighty shout with the trumpets. Everyone will shout for victory and the walls will fall down. It may be the most peculiar, strangest way to take a city, but they took it because they obeyed God. It's this simple. Very, very simple, y'all. There's God, excuse me, there's things that God has given us. They're ours according to God. You and I simply have to take them, possess them, and go and get what God has promised us in Jesus' name. You know, that's, that's the life of faith. It's just that simple. And how do we discover those things? Through the study of the Word of God and then through prayer. Because there's things that we see through the atoning work of Christ that are ours. But then there's also things that God wants you to do. There are things I'm persuaded amongst these precious people, you all, the faithful that are listening, that God's put in your heart that He wants you to do in the here and now. And I'm telling you, I'm encouraging, encouraging you, this is your sign, this is your word from the Lord. Go and possess the land. Hey, I'm so thankful for you. I'm thankful that you listen. I'm so thankful. Y'all, y'all are the absolute best. We, believe it or not, according to Spotify on their platform, we broke the top 15% of shared podcasts. Are you kidding me? Out of all the podcasts on Spotify, our podcast is shared more than 85% of other podcasts. I say our podcast because it's not like it's me that's sharing it. <laughs> I, share, I share it like one time when I released the wake-up calls. It's you guys that have so faithfully listened and studied the Bible along with me. And you know what? We're, we're ever increasing, and we're going to continue to increase because what my heart's desire is, is for us to raise up a mighty generation of men and women of God that will see our families, churches, and nations shaken by the power of God in Jesus' name. And we're going to do that because we know God's given us the promised land. We're going to go and possess it because we are the faithful. 
We'll see you next time. God bless you. Thanks so much for joining me for this episode of the Faith for My Generation podcast. Remember, every Monday I've got a brand new wake-up call for you. And every Thursday I've got a brand new episode right here on Faith for My Generation podcast. And remember, we are the faithful.